for those joining us, we're going to get started in a few seconds and just allow a little bit more time for people to jump on. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's thought leader panel, Recession Proofing Your Club. Um, if you have any questions today during the panel, you can put those in the chat. We might have some time to dive into those at the end. For those who don't know me, my name is Taylor Brown, and I'm the assistant editor of Club Solutions, and I am joined by a stellar panel today. And to kick things off, I'll just have them each introduce themselves and share a fun fact about themselves. So, Mark, let's start with you. Uh Okay, thanks Taylor for having me. Uh, name's Mark Miller. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Merit Clubs. We have nine locations in the Baltimore, Maryland region. Uh, we also do management and consulting um, for corporate centers, outdoor pools, and helping with other health clubs. And I also chair a Rex Roundtable group. And the fun fact about me is I've actually broken this collarbone four times and dislocated the shoulder twice. So. Ouch. Doesn't sound very fun. Yeah. yeah. Very fun, Mark. It's like a habit, you know? I'm like in a race with my uncle. <laughs> Paula, we'll go to you next. Um, hi, everybody, and I'm glad to, uh, honored to be on this panel with this wonderful group of people. So thank you for having me as well. And um, my name is Paula Newbert. I'm the President General Manager at Club Greenwood. We're in Greenwood Village, Colorado, just one club. It's 101,000 square feet. And then we also have an indoor play tennis facility that's 52,000 square feet. We sit on 13 acres here and the beautiful snow that you see behind me, we're getting a little bit of a snowstorm here. It started yesterday in a winter storm morning, but I made it in, hopefully can make it home. So um, fun fact about me, I was the first female athlete inducted into my high school hall of fame, All but that's right. not the fun piece. There was a gentleman that was inducted as the male athlete. And um, this was like 30 years ago, this happened. And forward, 10 years from that, I started my job here. And when I first started, I was walking and I saw this guy and I go, gosh, he looks familiar. Lo and behold, that male athlete was a member of our club. So now we've been, he's been a member this whole entire time. And it's always been a fun thing for us to talk about. He's uh, quite a bit older than me and unfortunately passed away two months ago. So oh. a fun fact though. Sorry to hear that. Justin? Uh, good afternoon uh, or good morning, wherever you're tuning in from. Uh, Justin Drummond, I am the COO for Ohana Growth Partners, which is a franchisee of Planet Fitness. Uh, and we operate 75 clubs across the country. Um, and my fun fact about myself is uh, most people don't know it, of course, uh, but uh, I used to play the trumpet for seven years. So a little bit musically inclined there. Uh, but that was many moons ago. Uh, pretty much lost it all. I might be able to um, get out three blind mice. Just the first portion of it, though. <laughs> I hear you there. I played the trombone, and ah. I I couldn't like play a note today if I tried it. <laughs> Christopher. Uh, yeah, I'm Christopher Montoya, the president and CEO of Thrive Business Development. We own um, 15 locations in California. Uh, just regular health clubs with uh, boot camps, 25 to 43,000 square feet locations. Uh, and uh, the fun fact about me, I know this ages me a little bit, but I was in the movie City Slickers uh, in the running of the bull scene. Some friends of ours were bulldoggers and they were hired to be the group that ran around the actors kind of protecting them. So if anybody's going to get trampled, it was us. Uh, so we spent two weeks filming that. So, uh, you know, I just the other day I stopped, stopped it and showed my kids and you could you stop it in different spots and see me. So that's my claim to fame. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Celebrity. There we go. <laughs> Add movie star to your. Yeah. <laughs> For a brief half a second. <laughs> hey, it counts. You made it in. Yeah, I made it in. <laughs> All right, everyone, uh, we'll go ahead and get started on the topic today. So financials and the economy has kind of been top of mind for everyone right now. In light of inflation, cost of everything going up, it seems. Um, and we're kind of in this teeter-totter of, is a recession happening? Is it going to happen? 
Um, so I just kind of wanted to dive in for the first question and talk about what are best practices that clubs can implement and start using now to prepare for a recession if one does happen. And Paula, let's start with you on this. Um, okay, just one right now, Taylor. Yeah, okay. you, can, you can go through them all if you want, or we can okay. bounce around. Uh, there are two things that I think are really important, and they actually involve a foundation first. So one is the way that we accept memberships. Two different ways. You either pay monthly or you prepay. And for us, prepaying is a really big thing at our club. So um, the monthly is really a membership agreement, but it's a it's an agreement that you can get out of any time. You'd give a full calendar month notice and you can quit your membership anytime you want. So people don't feel like they're locked into anything and they can just continue to, to move forward. But if something changes, they can cancel at any time. With the prepay option, though, they pay for the whole entire year in advance and you get a 10% discount when you pay for the year in advance. Now that prepay is non-refundable and non-transferable. So this is something everybody would have to find out, you know, their state law if it allows them to do these things. But for us, what it does is it increases cash. And cash is the one of the most important things that you need to do as you're either in a recession or going into a recession, having cash. Um, we did an 8% dues increase January 1st. So our prepays in the month of December, if you prepay before that date, you not only lock in at the old rate and you don't have to have the prepay, you know, the increase of the 8%. And um, and then you also, what it ends up being, you get a 10% discount when you prepay. So you get like an extra month. So our cash flow, when we did our prepays in the month of December, we got $2 million in cash that goes just into those coffers and sits there, whether it's in the bank or underneath our mattresses, one or the other is just sitting there. And that's a nice thing to have. So figure out a way to get some cash into your facilities because it's nice to have, because you never know what's going to happen. You're going into that recession. The other is operate with efficiency. Um, during COVID, we had a whole lot of time in our hands. So I think a lot of people probably Put some probably put some systems in place and things. We have a building automation system. It cost us in the beginning to do that, but the savings that we've had over the years of having a building automation system, which means everything is programmed. At night when nobody's here, things shut down. Um, our yoga facility, that's our hot uh, yoga facility in our hot yoga studio, it's all programmed. So it only turns on when it needs to and it turns off right away. Every single studio has lights in it that automatically turn off if nobody's in there. If it's 30 minutes, they're going to shut down on their own. So putting systems in place that just help you um, save on your expenses, whether it's utilities and, and those types of things, your gas and stuff helps. So those are my two things. Awesome. Thank you. Justin, let's go to you next. Uh, I would have to piggyback off of Paula there. Uh, what the first thing she mentioned was cash is king. Uh, again, a lot of that was um, learned from most of us during COVID as well uh, with the immediate shutdowns and such. Uh, but even now, uh, it's more important because it allows you to have at least some nimbleness if you have to be flexible in decision making and things of that nature. Uh, and then second to that, too, I would just say, um, you know, reviewing for us, you know, with multiple locations, reviewing all of our lease terms and rents and anything that is a negotiable contract making sure that we have an understanding of that, knowing the timing of some of those as well. Uh, there may be some opportunity to have some savings if we go ahead and negotiate renewing a lease term earlier than waiting till we satisfy the entire uh, the entirety of that term. Uh, I think those things will allow you, again, nimbleness, having cash, lessening expenses, things like that right now are of utmost importance. Awesome. Mike? Um, yeah, you know, I, I agree with both Justin and Paula. I may actually stop by Paula's house to look in the mattress just to see that $2 million is sitting there. Um, but, you know, I think if you take it a step further on the cash thing, it's really trying to figure out like how many months you, you have a burn rate that goes on in our clubs and how many months do you have available? And then do you have available lines of credit and things like that, that you can keep your flows going? Because, you know, as we all thought with COVID, it was only going to be like two weeks and then it ended up being three months and six months or whatever it was for each area of the country. And so everyone's a little bit different. So you got to kind of figure out how long you're going to survive. 
And then I think the other critical thing is, is to plan for situations, right? In, in most of our clubs, we plan for medical situations, right? Active shooter responses, you know, heart attack responses. How do we use ADs, a code Adam with lost children and all that. But do we ever really anticipate some sort of situational planning on, hey, if there's a closure, how are we handling it? Hey, if there is a recession, what are we going to do with it? What's our strategies? What are we doing? What's our burn rate? Stuff like that. So I think you got to start having those conversations now. And you really have to be anticipating out over the next, you know, two or three years. Christopher? Man, you guys took all the good stuff. <laughs> um, a couple of things we did, uh, of course, during COVID, you really had to look at yourself and figure out how to cut as much as you could to survive. Um, but coming into this year, seeing what's happening, uh, two things for me. One was um, education and uh, with our members to make sure they understand the value of their membership, right? We had to start beating that drum a little more. You know, I've, I've been in this industry way too long, 32 years. So we've seen some dips and lots of stuff happen. Um, but if, if the people understand the value of that dollar and what they're getting from it, um, helps us on the front end. We also implement a little more cash deals that we normally don't do. I love selling EFT, right? Just grow that EFT line. Um, but we did make sure we brought some cash in. Um, and then we, one thing we actually stumbled upon is a uh, schedule. So we, we looked at all of our schedule with that many locations and we found, you know, 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there. And it was about a $20,000 a month savings in just redundancy that we didn't quite catch all those layovers to go, okay, we can probably, we don't need three people standing there for 30 minutes. We can probably only go with two. And we, we saved ourselves quite a bit of money. So it's really just, you know, really diving in and looking at where every little dollar goes and goes, do I, do I need everything? It's almost like those commercials with the apps where, you know, you got all these fees going out and you don't even know what you're paying anymore. Um, so we, we dove in pretty hard on that, on, on what's going out. So. Yeah, that's a good segue into my next question. Um, payroll can be a pretty big expense, <clears throat> but staffing's already been such a huge issue with the great recession and people leaving. And, um, so how are you going to support your staff through this recession? If there is one and just kind of through the financial uncertainty, do you all plan to cut back on staff? Do you plan to just kind of be more of an emotional support? Kind of walk me through your thoughts on that. And Justin, we'll start with you on this one. Okay. Um, so I look at this from a couple of different standpoints. Um, you know, we want to make sure that our clubs can fully operate um, at normal hours of operation, things of that nature. Uh, we, we know that there's a benefit for uh, our team members internally, but also for the members that are coming to the club. Like this is a uh, necessity for them to be able to have access to us, uh, even recession or not, but definitely through the recession too. So, you know, internally at each of the clubs, we've implemented things such as like an interview Thursday, just to make sure because staffing is an issue. It has been an issue. So whether or not you're fully staffed or not, we're interviewing on Thursdays just so we can build a bullpen or have a Rolodex of people that we're able to reach out to, uh, A, to see if they're still interested. Uh, we know that there has been a lot of, you know, resignation, as you mentioned, too, that people are just leaving uh, for better jobs, higher pay, whatever that may be. But we want to just make sure that we're on the ready at all times, whether we're fully staffed or not, is the first thing. Um, the second thing is we've continued to look at our onboarding processes, training processes, surveying our internal staff to see what it is that they want uh, outside of, you know, the normal things of, you know, hours that are flexible for them or work for them, or of course, even the financial components of it. Uh, but really, what do you need? And a lot of that feedback has been uh, personal and professional development as well. So whether it is us training them on what it takes to do your job and those responsibilities, but even more so on the personal side, what are they looking to accomplish with themselves uh, while they're here with us? If that's something that we can support, we'll go ahead and try to do that. Um, so those are uh, two of those levers there. But, you know, when we think about, you know, potential of slowdowns or recessions and cutbacks and things of that nature, you know, our, our goal here uh, and, and model that we've always done is culture each strategy for breakfast. 
And with that, for me, that means that, you know, we're going to do anything we can to keep our team afloat. Uh, we did the same thing during COVID when we were shut down. We were able to keep our team on the entirety of those shutdowns in those states. Uh, and that means more than you know to the staffing. Um, and they know that we have their back just like they have ours, again, whether open, closed, recession or not. Uh, and everyone's a service, um, a service member, that servant leader attitude and leadership qualities that we have uh, and really try to implement really help us and support the team. So whether it's me going into a club to help run a front desk or clean up or take a role that, you know, may not be traditional for me at the moment, you know, I'm happy to do so because again, they need to see that. They need to see that we're all in this together. Yeah, it's great insight. Mark, what would you like to add? Uh, well, you know, this is a, a great question. And, you know, we, we like to think things a little differently here at Merit. And so, We've always kind of said that we're in the people business. And as such, um, it's our people that are our most critical assets. It doesn't matter what our clubs are. It really matters who our people are. And so, you know, we're very big into doing things. And much like um, Justin said, when COVID hit, you know, we wanted to make sure that all of our employees were taken care of. So anybody who was on benefits back in those days, you know, we covered 100% of their health insurance while they were um while we were on shutdown and all that. And then when we came back, we decided that we were just going to continue to cover 100% of their health insurance and been doing it ever since. And, you know, for us, that's kind of an investment. I know a lot of times people will go, oh my God, you should have went back because it's costing you. And, you know, our thing is, is that we want people to be here for life and a career. And so, you know, for us, it's about getting the right people and it's about ensuring that they feel cared for and loved. And we don't want people to be stressing about if they're going to lose a job during a recession. So we've made it very clear that that is the last ditch effort that many of our higher ups and all that, we will all cut our pays and, you know, we will renegotiate rents. We will do whatever, whatever it can. The last ditch effort would be ever to fire somebody. Um, and that's really how we try to behave is that we're not really in the firing business. We're in the coaching business. Um, so we spend a lot of time with hiring a new employee, onboarding them, making sure that they understand you know, what our culture is and how we do purpose, not policy. And then much like Justin said, we're all about doing things outside of life. Like we want them to feel supported and all that. So we do a lot of trainings. We're actually getting ready to do one on um, financial management and how to manage your budget and all that during a recessionary period. Um, we've done how to buy your first home and eight of our employees have all bought homes because of us. Um, and so we like to do things like that and utilize our resources. And we want people to feel part of a family. And if doing so, they'll get other people to come here and we won't have a staffing issue. And, you know, they all want to work hard and they all want to be something special. I like that idea of helping your staff with financial planning and stuff during this time, because I know some people never really get that opportunity. So well, and even the young generation, they're just, you know, no one's teaching them that. And there's not like you can go out and do something. And sometimes they end up living paycheck to paycheck, which, as we all know, in a recession is not going to work. Yeah. Christopher, what would you like to add? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's good to hear people talking about staff and how important it is to pour into their lives. I mean, I think that's um, you see less and less of that out there in the, the business world. Um, when we started unlocking doors again in COVID, um, and there was so much uncertainty and so much negative noise, um, we made the decision to give everybody a raise coming back, right? Um, which was a little scary because I had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, in fact, you know, I don't know if anybody saw the news articles. I opened up a few months early. I fought, I fought pretty hard on it. Um, um, but we, 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 we put those raises in and we, two things happened. We saw the great ones or the good ones really lift the lid. Um, and then we saw the mediocre ones kind of get lost in there. So it really put a, a, a magnifying glass on, on the, on the people to go, okay, now we're, you're at a different rate. So your level of work and, um, commitment and you know everything is at a different rate right this way we're looking at you now so it helped us look a little differently because then we're going man we're actually paying that person you know two three dollars above minimum and they're not even giving us minimum hmm. um so it and then we had to look back in the mirror and go okay what what can we do now to 
like you guys said, better onboarding, better uh, training throughout the months. How do we pour into these people better? Um, and how do we keep recruiting? I mean, that's, uh, I think Justin said the hiring Thursdays or something. Um, and we've gotten, I mean, I, I hate saying it, and, and I've said it a few times, but COVID helped us become so much better, right, as an organization. Um, but it's really, uh, you know, staffing has been an interesting journey um, as COVID has went away and we started coming back just the people we had pre-COVID as far as uh, people coming in to get jobs um, and post-COVID is is night and day. Uh, mm -hmm. So we really went down that road to go, okay, our, our people are really what keep the members connected to the facility. Um, and they're the ones that are out there forward facing uh, the community. And how do we do a better job with that? So that's what we've, we've dumped uh, a lot of effort, time, energy, and money into. Paula, what would you like to add? Well, the gentlemen all said so many wonderful things and it's true. And I agree with, you know, so much of what they said. It, staffing is the, it's the, the most important part of our business because we're kind of, you know, we're in the, the hospitality business too. And it is something that our, our staff do serve our members in a, in a certain way and take care of them and want to deliver this experience. So we need to take care of our staff because I can't take care of 5,000 people by myself, but our 250 to 300 staff members can take care of all these people if we work together. So um, similar to what so many of the, the panel did, we paid people through COVID and we were able to keep them employed. But one of the most important things was how we communicated to them during that time. With technology, we know it's Zoom, it's emails, it's text, it's Instagram, all these different things, but nothing is better than a face-to-face -face communication. We have a, a predominantly Spanish-speaking housekeeping staff. They were scared to death during COVID as to what was going to happen. They needed to hear from me, just person to person. And we brought the group together and we fed them and stuff. And we just talked. And you could just see like the weight of their shoulders just going, I just needed to hear it from you. I didn't want to be it on a piece of paper. I just wanted to hear it from you. And that was so important, that face-to-face -face communication. Um, tomorrow night, we have all staff meeting. We have, we meet our entire group of staff. Um, right now, it's about 250 people. During the summer, we go up to 300. We meet annually every year in January so that we can all get together face-to-face. -face. And it's important to celebrate what happened the previous year, and it's important to communicate with them what's going to happen this year. And part of that communication is giving them as much financial information as possible to, again, help them know and understand about the business, what we're doing, how we're preparing for this particular situation, how we're going to hang on to them, and just allow them to see where we are with memberships, how we've bounced back. Um, so our CFO does a presentation, our membership director does a presentation, and they're just able to just go, okay, we're going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Here we go. So um, that that's important for us. And the last piece is in part of that, our executive director of human resources does a slide on all of the perks. So we want to remind them about all the wonderful benefits they get. You know, our health insurance went up this year. They didn't have to pay the increase in the premium. The club is covering that. Um, they get a complimentary membership if they work this many hours. They get complimentary kids club. We provide daycare for our staff members so they don't have to pay for it. Um, you know, just discounts at the spa, discounts at this, you know, all these different things. And we want to list everything that they get just as a reminder to go, being an employee here, I get all of these things and then my significance and my kids can get all of these things. So putting that out in front of them is just a nice reminder about all the things that, that they're getting to by being employed here. That's awesome. I think- hey, hey, Taylor? Yeah. Can I add something? When Christopher was talking and Paula, it, it dawned on me something. So Christopher made a statement about how we all got better during COVID. And it's a hundred percent accurate statement, right? Like everyone learned how to operate differently. We all we all are now operating at a much higher level, and we're expecting our staff to too. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, it seems like members have gotten worse, right? Their behavior and their treatment toward our staff 
has gotten way worse. And I think it's very critical that all of us in this industry make our staff feel supported. So when a member is bad to them, rude, disrespectful and all that, when we protect our employees, they are going to do a lot more for us and they're going to help protect our businesses and organizations. And sometimes we have to remember that, you know, it's okay to lose a member if they're going to treat our staff badly because we don't want to lose the employee that's going to take care of the other, you know, 10,000 members that we have. And, you know, I, I think when you do that and you show that to your employees, they really start to go wild. These guys really care about us. That's a great comment, Mark. So yeah. true. Very true. Yeah, I think a big shift is happening where while staffing is still a huge issue and clubs do need employees, I feel like there's been this shift of emphasis of education. Like more and more people are pouring into their employees because they want them to work longer. They want them to be a leader. They want them to keep growing within the club. And it's just really refreshing to see. Um, personally, our company just recently read a book called The Five Love Languages of Appreciation mm -hmm. in the Workplace. And it's just been crazy after we read it, we'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. I know you did a really good job, but you don't like words of affirmation. Let me rethink how to like show you appreciation this way. But it's been like very nice just to see our team appreciate each other more in the way they want to be. So it's good to hear you all doing the same thing. Oh, that's great. Um, kind of going into the next topic here, we've kind of talked about members on and off. Um, more and more people are seeing fitness more as a necessity and not a luxury, but how are we educating members to have that mindset, to not cut their gym membership the second things get rocky financially? Um, is there any programming or onboarding you do with your members that kind of help with this? And Christopher, we'll start with you. You know, we, we've gotten um, better at sending out communication uh, to our members. Um, that, that is not uh, revenue driving, right? I mean, that's kind of where our industry's always been. It's, uh, we're great at communicating specials, um, uh, but we've gotten better at communicating uh, the journey of fitness, right? And how important it is for your mental health, your, your personal health, how it impacts your life. Um, we've really gotten way better at making the member understand that we're here for them through all their journey, uh, not just to build some muscle or to burn some fat. Um, so we've, we've really worked on that because uh, it's, it's really easy when you're sitting behind a desk or having this conversation uh, for somebody to know who you are, but it's really hard to get the members to know who you are as, a, as not, not only the organization or the staff, but you, know, you that's driving the ship why you make decisions, what, what we're doing. Um, and I've been trying really hard to figure out the best ways to get that out there because that's the connection point with the members and it, it gives them more tools and also more questions. So then they'll go back to the staff, they'll go to the training department, they'll go to our boot camp coaches and they'll, it, it, it ignites that conversation. I'm, I'm going to take this farther than I thought because I've just learned some new things about fitness and health and nutrition or whatever. Um, so that's, that's something we're, we're working on to get better. We're, we're much better, but we're still, I think that's important. So um, that's still right in front of us right now. Paula, what about you? How are you keeping members engaged? Uh, the, the thing that they were missing the most over the last few years, that social connection, that community. Um, one of a part of our name is we're Club Greenwood. It's club. And the definition of a club is a place where people go, like minded people go and gather together because they enjoy the same things. And so we really highlight that piece, um, create places for them to stay after they're done with their workouts. That you can get a treadmill at any single facility and you can get a treadmill at home. So what is it that makes them want to come to our facility more so than a different one or versus staying home? It's the club atmosphere. It's that community. It's feeling part of something. It's being energized. So, you know, one thing that's just organically happening is there are thousands of people checking in at our club every day, which is so fun. And I know it's happening with all of you as well. And it creates this energy where people are like, as soon as you walk in the building, you get uplifted and you're like, 
why would I not want to be here, you know? And then why do I not want to hang out afterwards? So also create places for them to sit and gather and talk and have good food and beverage so they can have a great coffee after after a smoothie or whatever it is. And then the second thing, and Mark knows about this, we, we uh, really put a lot of emphasis on our member appreciation. We used to have a yearly member appreciation party, $60,000 party. It was red carpet, this and that. But this much of our membership went because it's on Saturday night. Who's available? Who can come? So we're like, okay, we got to get rid of that party. It's costing us too much and it doesn't serve enough people. And we went to member appreciation week where we did something every single day of the week in the morning at noon at this. And it, it might be an afternoon hike. Maybe it's a, we do a moonlight hike and it's we bring a, a truck food truck in that does pancakes. We did, you know, all these different things. Well, then after COVID, we made that all outdoor activities. So every single thing in member appreciation week that turned into like three weeks where everything was free, everything was fun. And, you know, we did brew, you know, beer and ballroom dancing. We did, or it was beer and line dancing and, it, you know, all these different things. This year we've changed it again. And now the 10th of every month is member appreciation day. And so the 10th is a Tuesday in month, some months, it's a Friday in some months and so forth. So our members know that on the 10th of every single month throughout 23, there is something fun for them in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, there's food, there's games, there's, uh, you know, we hid champagne bottles and just give away champagne in January and it was bubbly or whatever it is they wanted. So appreciate them. And they talk about it. Then they're like, well, the 10th of next month, what are you guys going to do? And so in their minds, they're continually talking about it and spreading more um, word to other members about it and so forth. So appreciate them. They'll stay. Quite like um, your employees. You got to do it with your members yes. too. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, Mark, we'll go to you next. Um, well, we're very much like Paula. I mean, so we have all the member appreciation days and, and you know, we do the retention programs and things like that. And that's always been one of our focuses. Like, you know, we believe that we don't worry about selling as much as we do about servicing, right? Our One of our themes this year is obsess over the customer. So it's it's really how do we do things that are designed for them? And we put a lot of thought into it. We give, you know, all of our staff the the engagement ability to do whatever is necessary. So, you know, like an example, at Valentine's Day, most of our clubs hide shamrocks all over the place. And if people find them, they bring them up to the welcome desk and they get like a scratch off. Um, you know, we'll do, you know, we have the member appreciation days where we do, you know, different little foods. Our LM prep service will, you know, cook things for people. We'll give them away for free, you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that we do. You know, we do the little things like if it's snowing out right now, we've had some of our employees go out and clean off all the cars in the parking lot for the members. Um, you know, we'll walk them in with an umbrella if we see them struggling to get in. So we try to do things that take care of things. But I really think it comes down to how do you create value in your membership, right? So it's kind of like what Paula talked about before. A lot of times our staff doesn't know the hidden paycheck, you know, but if you put your entire paycheck together with all your benefits, it's amazing the compensation they get, right? I don't think our members see that. So sometimes our members see only the X and O's, right? You, oh, you have treadmills, you have a pool, you have this, but they don't see the other benefits, right? The socialization, the meeting of new friends, the things we do. And, you know, we always have conversations about, you know, if there's a recession, I've asked my staff this just the other day, we had a big team meeting. And the first question I asked them was, I said, if there's a recession, how many of you ladies are going to give up your hairdresser? And they were all like, yeah, that ain't happening. I'm like, but you pay like 200 something bucks for your hairdresser. And they're like, yeah, that ain't happening. And I'm like, why? And they just talked about the value that they get for doing that, how it makes them feel, the benefits behind it and the connections, right? Same thing with vets, you know, and your pets. You don't like give up the bills on the veterinarian things, right? So if we create enough value and we always talk about being the third home and nowadays we talk about being the second home with people working from home, I think when you create value and it's a place where people want to be, price becomes irrelevant, right? And we become irreplaceable. And like Paula said, we're not a gym anymore, right? Now we're a club and a club is a place you belong. And when you belong to something and it matters to you, you ain't giving it up. You know, you will find a way to be there because there's so much that you get with it. So I think if clubs just spent that little bit of time on how do you create the value and deliver it 
And you got to think of it like an escalator, right? It just got to constantly getting better, right? Because people judge value by the day and not by the entire year. So I think that helps. I think the pet industry is actually like doing the best it's ever done. So if you can make people love your club as much as they love their pet, I think you'd be on to something. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my dog my dog knows. <laughs> <laughs> so does mine. I have not tattooed on my arm, so that's how much I appreciate it. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Justin, we'll go to you next. Uh, a, a lot of wonderful answers there um, from the panel. And I, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I've been sitting here taking notes from what you guys have mentioned too. So uh, if you see, especially you, Mark, being around the corner from me, if you see some of these things happening in the neighborhood, thank <laughs> you. Appreciate it. You're uh, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think, again, a lot of amazing answers here. And I think uh, uh, what, we, what we have to do or what we've been doing is, again, I think Mark just mentioned it, you know, make sure that, you know, we're the second or third place that's in someone's sequence of their life. It isn't just like, oh, I got to go to the gym. Let me, let me try to carve out some time, but it is a part of what they do. It's in their routine. So, you know, we try to talk about the benefits um, of coming to the gym, whether it's the socialization, whether it's, you know, obviously getting physically fit, but Christopher mentioned it as well. And I know that all of us are doing this in our own way, but the the, the mental wellness components to it too, uh, you know, being shut down and locked out for a while through COVID. Uh, but even thereafter, I mean, socialization is something that is needed, that connectivity piece. Um, and I think that bringing everyone to the gym helps with that. But even so, you know, to be able to decompress, to be able to, you know, you, people come in a ton of times, and we all know this, to just relieve the stress of what they had going on their regular day. The recession is, is looming, right? So that is a stressful situation to have to even think about. So again, that is the reason why we're here, where we exist, so that you can have a place where you can go and let loose and uh, uh, be able to work out and sweat and get your mind off of those things. And, you know, we, we have in our facilities, we have recovery areas called the Black Truck black card spa zone and that's places where they can come in you get hydro massages you get massage chairs you get all of these amenities that we offer that help you with able to recover because it isn't just about you know shedding the calories shedding the weight you know getting ripped and building muscle and things of that nature anymore it is about the feel good how do you feel when you leave the gym you know, you want to have that 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 glow, that aura that, oh, I did something great for myself today. A little bit of that me time because, you know, you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help those around you, just like on the airplane. So, you know, taking care of yourself is uh, highly important. And, you know, all of us, again, through COVID, the, the, the redevelopment or the investment into our, our mobile applications so that when they're even not with us, they can be with us. And that's still the components that we have in our arsenal to be able to share with these members a reason not to cut their ties with their local gym or wherever they go, where we, we can be a part of their life again, whether they're in our four walls or they're outside. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, being involved in the community. Again, yes, we want to make sure that they know that, you know, we are a place of fitness and wellness, essentially. Uh, but more than that, we are a part of their community where we're going out and we're doing events. It isn't just you're going to see me in the club because you're coming to the club. You're going to see me at a Boys and Girls Club event. You're going to see me at some type of wellness fair and event or 5K or things of that nature, because, you know, we're all in this because we want everybody to do well. We're in the business of changing people's lives. And whether that, again, is in the club or outside of the club, you know, the tie to one of these fitness facilities that we all operate is the uh, where you want to be and who you want to be connected with. That's good, Anthony. Um, kind of going into the next point, um, during COVID, you all said it yourselves, like you're better gyms because of the uncertainty and everything you went through. You learned how to better your procedures. And when people hear the word recession, they can start to panic like, oh, no, everything's going to go wrong. But recessions have also created opportunities in the past. So what are some opportunities clubs could kind of look to capitalize on? Maybe some things that they can invest in that will really boost their ROI. Anything you can give other operators kind of just look for the the silver lining during it. And Paula, we'll start with you. Um, the, I think one of the things is market and promote differently than you have in the past, because the population of people that are looking for health and fitness right now are looking for it for different reasons than they did in the past. And COVID actually, again, was a benefit from that side. It really brought um, you know, as a fitness industry, we have advertised and marketed forever that if you're fit, it'll help decrease your blood pressure. It'll help with your heart disease. It'll help with diabetes. But nobody listens to us or they haven't, you know. And but during COVID, 
when exercise became a risk factor for either surviving COVID, if you got it, or for not getting it as bad, people maybe became a little bit more aware of how being fit or being healthy can help you ward off disease and different things. So take advantage of that more than you ever have in the past to try to promote that. And the other piece then is promoting your community. It, it's, you know, if you talk about, oh, we have the best treadmills or we have the best this, well, it, every place has treadmills. So what makes you unique? What makes you special? What makes your facility different than other places? And what makes them want to get out of their house and walk through your door um, and promote that? So that's one thing. Christopher? Yeah, I think um, for sure community. I, I, I think people forget the value of community. And if, uh, you know, things get tight and they can't go to the movies, they can't go to dinner, they can't hang out with friends, they can't go on trips, they can certainly walk into a club and experience this great environment, seeing people that they see every day at certain times, a group of good energy, um, hopefully the staff's doing what they're supposed to be doing, saying, hello, how, how's your day? Have a great workout and all that. It's the value of that is so massive on somebody, especially when they start losing other community points in their lives, right? They, they can't go to all the functions because their, their budget's not allowing them to, and they just start losing other points of, of connection. Um, uh, we, we really got to carry that banner really well. And, and again, of course, the mental health that's, you know, we saw in COVID, the numbers were crazy. Um, how many calls were the, to the, you know, the, uh, the mental health hotline, um, all the, I mean, I could just go down the list of all the things that we saw spike that we should help for. Um, and then the other thing is uh, there's really good opportunities come in alongside other people that are, or other organizations and businesses that are having the cutback that we can, we can do services for, um, and which we are actually now getting some calls for. I got one from a school system and, and, you know, for them to have um, uh, a fitness component, it's much cheaper to go, Hey, do you have a trainer that we can pay to come in once a week and at least give them something where budgets aren't allowing for, for these things. And yeah, we can do it much cheaper than you can go hire somebody for, right? You're paying employee tax, you're paying all the junk. Um, uh, and you're, you'd have to hire a full-time person and, and we can do that, create service. And now we can actually get our staff in uniform out in the community doing things for businesses and organizations. Um, so looking at those things too help quite a bit because there's a lot of services um, that we can we can help with you know even if it's team building and all this you know okay the corporations can't pay five thousand dollars for team building but we can sure pull them put them through a great boot camp and a, a fun team building event for way less than that and you can still bring your employees in to do something off-site that helps your organization as well so looking at those small opportunities that we can deliver for are, are important. Awesome. Justin, what would you like to add? Uh, I would, you know, piggyback off of Paul. I think she mentioned something about the education piece, uh, about what fitness offers to, to everyone. So, you know, during this period of, again, stress and fear or uncertainty, um, you know, fitness is definitely going to help. Uh, and then again, I, I've mentioned it and Christopher's mentioned it too, uh, going back to uh, the mental well-being aspect of this whole thing. Uh, that That is important, especially because, you know, during COVID, we weren't seen as the essential business, uh, but we are. Um, and I think that we would voice that from the mountaintops, all of us that are on this uh, panel right now. Uh, and I think that's something that needs to be understood by the masses uh, and understand that, it, again, it isn't just about um, looking good. It's about feeling good and the mental well-being uh, and the relief of stress, um, you know, depression and all those other things uh, that, that are out there that, again, have spiked uh, through the last few years. Uh, this is where we come in and step in uh, to be a part of, you know, essentially that uh, um, the, the healthcare system. Uh, we're prevention, we're preventative medicine, or, or maintenance there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mark? Um, I, I think all the panelists hit a lot of it right up front. I think all your all the questions today can kind of relay back to, to the things, and you made a good point on, you know, that during times of crises and adversity, there's a lot of new innovations that come out, and I think as an industry, we need to keep evolving 
And, you know, you hear the topic a lot today about wellness, but yet, you know, in our clubs, are we still just doing fitness, right? Are we just teaching people how to use the treadmills and how to use the bikes and all that, you know, or are we teaching them, you know, how to eat better, how to do a five minute box breathing so that they can de-stress and all that, you know, how to use a recovery room, why that's important, because, you know, one of the things that we found over the last couple of months and talking with a lot of people and all that, the number one reason why they're joining health clubs today is for the mental health, right? They're not even mentioning the word weight loss anymore, which is amazing because five years ago, that was the number one reason, but now it's not even in the list. And, you know, so we have to be willing to lose sight of the shore, which is the old ways of doing things and look at the new things and how do we evolve and how do we start to address some of these things? And I think that ties in a lot to, you know, are we working with a diverse group of people? Um, you know, at one of our clubs, we see a lot of um, children with autism, you know, so we have a whole summer camp for them now. And then we've spent a lot of time just training and developing our staff on how to deal with those individuals, right? How do they approach them? How do they engage them? How do they train them? How do they talk with them? I actually just sent all of our trainers there this morning um, an article on programming for them. And, you know, we have to make sure that we are inclusive in our communities, right? That people feel like it's a place they can belong. And it's not just a place that, oh my God, I have to be in shape before I go to that place. And I think those are the things and the challenges that we have to continue to change the perception of what this industry is and how people view it. And the only way we're going to do that is kind of being out front and communicating it, as Paula said, being part of our communities and spreading the word on that and making sure that we train and educate everybody on it. Yeah, I definitely agree that there's been this shift of more of a mental health and wellness focus in gyms. And Cincinnati Sports Club actually is, they just launched, they're offering free um, mental health counseling to their members. They get three free um, sessions. And then after that, they give them more resources to talk to counselors. So it's like, there's so many opportunities clubs can tap into. It's not just do yoga and you'll be mentally well. Like there's more resources that clubs could definitely look into that for that, for sure. Yeah, we have a whole wellness department that we started after COVID and all of our members get integrated into it and they meet with health coaches and they learn about nutrition. They learn about stress reduction. As Justin said, we have it on our app now, you know, little simple routines and things like that. So I, I think that's an important part of people's lives nowadays. So we talked a lot about the recession and kind of planning for that, but what advice can you offer clubs for better financial success beyond a recession or beyond this year? I know we've learned a lot from COVID. So what kind of top takeaways have you learned from that, that operators can implement to have better success? And Justin, we'll start with you on this one. Okay. Um, I would say, again, we, we talked about opportunities. So maximizing those opportunities, whether that's, you know, changing the way in which you go about it, doing paid in full memberships and having the cash influx that you can see, uh, again, because cash is king, uh, you know, negotiating rents or lease terms and things of that nature. Um, I would also say, you know, leveraging our apps and the different services that we provide, whether they're in the club or outside of the club, to make that correlation to the benefits that someone could see uh, by being a member uh, or, or, or running their clubs as well, because I think all of that helps with the retention piece too, uh, keeping the members on uh, on on their dues lines or what have you, and have them visiting the clubs again. Going to the socialization, I think a lot of this that we'll talk about here for what does that look like as far as advice we've touched on, and I think those are things that well, we have the opportunity now to really engage with the members. We're doing it much more than we probably had before COVID or uh, or, or any time before. And I think those are the ways in which we can really uh, basically be in the household or be that second and third stop that we talked about for these members, where we are a part of their lifestyle. We're part of what they do, their routine. They know us. Um, and so they're, they're comfortable being here and understand that we're here to be of service. We're here to help on their fitness journey or their wellness journey as a whole. Christopher? Oh, uh, yeah, I think, I think we've said a lot of it. I mean, all, I mean, as much as I can think of, um, for me, it's really, um, so I grew up in the industry on, uh, of course, started when it was commission only sales, right? You didn't even get a base salary. You put out the fish bowls and right. And you get your leads every week and you did the whole deal. Uh, but for me, it was a great learning experience to 
live in a space I didn't enjoy, which is uh, all the little financial pieces. Um, uh, we got better, or maybe we, probably the wrong word is, I got better at looking at all the reports in a much deeper level, um, paying attention to areas of, of uh, bleed. Um, I think Paula might've said the automation part. Right now we're looking at, um, you know, automating all of our AC units that can be controlled from our office here um, because we've caught even the program units we've caught staying on last year. Um, so it's looking at all those little things that, um, that in the old days, three years ago, um, I, you know, the, the old saying was uh, gross fixes most problems, right? So it was always focusing on gross. Um, now it's looking at all those little touch points that if I can save, you know, half a percent here and a percent there. And uh, if I can get all my ACs to shut off at night, every night and that the, that the cleaner didn't forget to shut one down. And now with, at least in California, we went up almost 28 or 30% in one year in our, our electrical cost. Um, so it's really just focusing and living in that space more um, to go, okay, am I, am I not focused? Cause I'm doing really well over here. Uh, so I'm not gonna look at this as much anymore. It's like, I got to keep looking at this side as what, as we're doing great over here. So, um, I think, I think clubs, I was surprised. I mean, if you asked me four months ago, Hey, how much do you think you can find? I would have never thought I could find this. So it's really eye opening for me. And I think a lot of owners would, would be surprised if they really dug deep and looked at their, their expenses, they'd go, Ooh, well, I, I, I should have known this before. So, yeah. I was talking to one operator and they found like they had like 12 Spotify accounts that they were paying for. And they're like, what is this? Why are we doing this? We don't need this. Yeah. Paula, we'll go to you next. Uh, Christopher brought up a great point of looking at your KPIs. I mean, the, it was, you used to look at certain things. Now you look at everything completely different and, and you have to look at it in a different eye from a different perspective than what you did before. So that, I think that was a great point, Christopher, adding on to that. Uh, we always have a, a, a 10 year plan, a projection of some sort. You, you have to, you, you can't go day. I mean, you just can't go day by day. You have to have a plan and then you have to adjust that plan. And we all know we put budgets together, but those budgets are really just guides. They have to be flexible. You have to be able to adapt and change. And, and so having the, those plans and those projections where it's showing everything and showing your forecast of this and your forecast of that, because it helps you make adjustments along the way. Um, and then uh, Mark knows our CFO. You have to have a really good CFO. <laughs> and we have a really good CFO who, who counters me a lot, you know, I asked him if I could spend the money and he's like, well, I don't know, Paula, we better not. I'd like you to make sure we could do this, this, this. You have to have, if you're the creative, you know, if you're the president of the company and you're the creative person who's supposed to, okay, I got to do the strategic plan for our company. Somebody's got to pull you back too, or somebody's got to ask you the tough questions. And our CFO is that guy. He knows the fitness industry knows so well, but yet is the the best numbers guy there is. So you have to have some big counter you. You have to have the the yin to your yang and so forth so that you guys can work together for it. So Mark, what would you like to add? Uh well I think they're all great points and I was going to be very similar to Paula. Um so just to kind of dial that up even a little bit deeper because we're the same way, right? You got to have those those future plans. And if you don't forecast it and you don't plan for it, then you can't really kind of guide the ship a little bit. But I, I think it's also looking at kind of how your staffing patterns are going to change, how your communities are going to change, the demographics in your community. Because if if you really start to look outside the health club business, I think you start to learn a lot, right? So if you take the mall as an example, right? Years ago, we used to have enclosed malls where everybody would go inside the building. Then they started to open up to these, you know, single store kind of like avenue type of concepts. And now they're kind of emerging to campuses, kind of like where it's all in a region and people are going to different areas and all that. And so, you know, we have to be thinking about how the fitness industry is going to be evolving. And 
not so much what's going to be new, but also what's going to be staying, right? We know that the fitness industry, because of COVID, we're always going to be here because of the socialization factor, right? So now as we move forward, how are we going to start to transform our clubs to engage more and do more of that socialization, right? What, what are people using nowadays? What's the generation? We were all talking when we first got on about how the generation wants to work, doesn't work today and all that, you know, and like, how does the generation of tomorrow consume fitness? Like, what are they looking for? And how do we start to prepare for that? And what are going to be our needs, whether it's a capital need, whether it's a marketing need, whether it's a staffing need, whatever it may be. And I think we just have to start to prepare for the future. And that goes back to having the conversations about not present day, but having the conversations about future. Awesome. So we are about out of time. So I want to give everyone one last opportunity to go around. And if you could just give one final piece of advice on the topic or kind of what you wish operators will take away the most, um, I'll give you all the opportunity to do that. So Justin, let's start with you. Um, just now it's time for optimal performance. Uh, we always, again, looking at the future, but understanding the past too. Uh, need to know about, you know, the redundancies, need to know about uh, the brand and how you're going to deliver that brand to your consumer uh, and making sure that right now we're not giving them any reason to leave that's in our control, uh, valuing that member uh, and really just making sure that they understand and are educated about everything that they have as far as a benefit by belonging to one of our clubs. Mark? Um you know, we have a saying here, I call it row the boat, which means we just constantly are pushing forward every day. And I think we got to ask questions, experiment. We got to get ourselves coaches and mentors around other peers. Um, we have to invest in our future and it's going to shine brightly. And I think that we just got to embrace the change that's going to be happening and not retreat with fear, but push forward with offense and uh, let's score some touchdowns. Christopher? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad 2023 is here. Let me <laughs> first start with that. Uh, you know, Valley, Valley Fitness, our, our tagline is the journey starts here, right? And we got to invest in our members journey and not only the member, but the employee journey. So it's a focus on, on that two sides that we are responsible for. How do we help our employees um, continue down a path that that they want to be on, or, or we open some doors for them that they didn't know were in front of them, which is exciting to see. And then uh, making sure we're delivering to the members what they're looking for. And we're constantly investing in the future. Like Mark said, you know, we're, where we're going. I mean, who would have thought three years ago, we'd see this many young people in the club and this many people sitting on a, on a lifting platform and bumper plates and how many girls were doing, you know, deadlifts in our clubs. I mean, that was three years. It went like that and it changed. Um, so constantly looking at going forward um, and then understanding, I think, our responsibility in our communities. I mean, I think COVID opened up some really big um, moments for me to go, man, we have a big responsibility. If, if we truly our health and fitness, mind, body, and soul, we, if we're responsible for our community's health in that, then we, we have to look in the mirror and go, are we, are we living up to that responsibility? And I think that's what's driving us forward is to go, hey, we're, we're, we're saving lives. And um, some members know it and some don't, but, but we should as an organization know how important we are to our community. So um, I think, I think, as an industry, we have to raise that bar a hundred times because them shutting us down and putting in, at least in California, they're putting us next to bars. Like if bars open, gyms can open. Like if that's who we are, um, we, we have not showed the world who we are. So as an industry, we, we've got to get better come up going forward. So that's what I've got. Paula, we'll close out with you. Um, everybody had really great comments. I think just to, to kind of sum up the, be flexible, be, be ready to change. That's what we have to do. You know, the, what worked before might not work again. And, um, what didn't work before might work now. So don't be nervous to try something that you tried before and it didn't work because it totally could now because things are different. So be flexible and adapt. And then I'll leave you all with one thing. So Mark had mentioned how, 
they bring in some people to help your staff with financial, you know, planning and things like that. We had one years and years and years ago. And she came in and she gave one simple tip. She said, and this might not work now because people don't have as much cash as they used to. Every time you get a $5 bill, don't spend it. Go home, put it somewhere. I did that for one year. Shocking how many hundreds of dollars I had at the end of the year. So save your $5 bills. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all so much for taking the time to be a part of this panel today. There was a lot of great information and I really appreciate you all joining me. And thank you attendees for joining us. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you all. Nice to see everyone.